when Zayin Adar was the birth is the birthday of Rav Moshe Feinstein. Yud Gimel Adar is the day of his yard site. Zayin Adar, the birthday of Moshe Rabbeinu, was the birthday of Rav Moshe Rav David, who lived, who was born in Belarusa in 1895. As was common in those days, he learned in various yeshivas, became friendly with some people who would later become Gedoli Hador in their respective yeshivas. For example, he learned together with Rabban Cutler, with Rav Shach, and he had writings to them and a friendly relationship with them all his life. Of course, he was known as a Gon and an Eloi, which, when we talk about the great Russia Yeshiva, the great Rabbanim, that statement almost goes without saying. It doesn't depict the personality of the person to show who he was. But, as is common, in a world of Gedolim, the word common is a little strange. Nevertheless, he became the Rav of Luban as a very young man. And his name spread as an important posek. In fact, he wrote Shuvos then, when he was very young, even before he was married, that later on were printed in his classic Svari Migros Moshe and became known as the classic work of the 20th century in the world of Psak, the Igros Moshe. While he was in Luban as the Rav, he got married and he had children born in Europe. His two daughters, Zichonam Evracha, Sifra, passed away this year. The daughter of Rabbi, the wife of Rabbi Tendler, the daughter of Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, and Faye, the Rebetzin of Rav Shizgal, a great Talmud of Rabbi Rab Moshe. His two sons, Rav Reuven and Rav David, are today known as the, among the leading Rabbanim of the United States. And you can certainly say that the family of Rav Moshe continued in his derech. He came to America in 1937. When he first came, it wasn't so easy for him to find a position but he waited, was offered one position which he took for a short time and eventually was offered to be the Rosh Yeshiva of the Yeshiva in the Lower East Side known as Teferis Yerushalayim. The Yeshiva took him as a Rosh Yeshiva where he remained all his life. His fame wasn't so much because he was the Rosh Yeshiva of Teferis Yerushalayim. His fame lay on the reputation of his Sfarim, the Igros Moshe, the Sefer of Tshuvas which encompassed all areas of Jewish law. He also wrote very, very extensively on Shi'urim Shas. The Sfarim called Dibros Moshe on many Mesechtas of Shas have also been printed, but it seems they are somewhat overshadowed by the Igros Moshe and the Average today Torah library of any Talmud Chacham will include the Igros Moshe. The Igros Moshe will not be found so much in the in their homes, but 
the lambdas expressed in Dibras Moshe is unquestioned. It's just not one of the svarim that seems to become popular. The Igros Moshe overshadowed everything else that Reb Moshe did. Privately, he felt that Dibros Moshe was in, in a certain way even greater than his Igros. But as I said, the world was interested in the Psak of Reb Moshe, and he became known as the Posek of the United States, indeed the Posek of the world. Many, many other Gedolim deferred to him, asked him Shailas, when, for example, in Eretz Yisrael, it was known that Shlomo Zalman wanted to discuss something, he would speak to Rab Moshe to discuss the Shaila. Reb Aaron Cutler very often was asked Shailas, and he used to send people to Reb Moshe. When a student in Lakewood wanted to get smicha, Reb Aaron sent him to Reb Moshe. I was at the Levaya of Reb Moshe, who passed away on Yud Gimel Adar, 1986, and of course the Gdolim all spoke about him. They say that New York it was the biggest Levaya ever held in Eretz Yisrael. It was certainly one of the biggest Levayas. And of course all the Gdolim spoke. And the one phrase that they really, really should have emphasized is Reb Moshe was Rabban Shal Kobane He was really the Rav of everyone. He was accepted by almost every single person. And his psakim affected life in America to an unbelievable degree. For example, the tshuva that he wrote about drinking milk of the companies rather than drinking only milk under Jewish hashgacha became a landmark in the psak of, of America. The point that Rav Moshe made and emphasized was that Government supervision is basically the same idea as Chal of Yisrael. His family told me that he himself only drank Chal of Yisrael. But in his own family, they served regular milk. The, the family used the milk of the companies that Reb Moshe has said is perfectly fine. He himself apparently only drank Chal of Yisrael. This is only one small example of the Psakim that range from the minutia of details about uh, tefillah to the issues that really in Hebrew we say which are world-encompassing, very, very deep, important questions. And the list of the questions that Reb Moshe answered and the issues that he took upon himself were remarkable in their scope and remarkable in, in his depth. He is today the subject of study, not only by the yeshiva world, but even the academic world, they study the underlying principles of Rav Moshe as Psak. More than one doctorate has already been written about Rav Moshe and his attitude toward, toward Psak. I had the privilege of spending a few days with Rav Moshe Feinstein in Los Angeles many years ago. In the books written about Reb Moshe, Art Scroll has published a biography, uh, Reb Moshe, The Life and Times, The Life and Ideals of Hagon Reb Moshe Feinstein by Reb Shimon Finkelman. And the book is complete with many, many stories about Reb Moshe Feinstein. I would like just to relate a few things that I saw in those days that I spoke, that I spent with him in Los Angeles. They made a great dinner 
in his honor. They had the entire community of Los Angeles turn out for the respect of Torah and Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. Los Angeles is a city that's used to celebrities, knows how to do the proper respect, to show the proper respect for stars. When Ramosha came to the airport of Los Angeles, so the mayor of Los Angeles came, they re- literally rolled out a red carpet for him, they had the photographers and newspapers, it was a big, big event. When Ramosha got off the plane, he turned to his friends who were accompanying him and said, who came in today? Who is this that they're greeting like this? When they said, uh, in your honor, he said, ich will doch nicht. I, I don't want this. He tried to say that he'd like to go off and aside. He did not want to uh, enter in such a, a style of stars. So the people had to explain to him, Reb Moshe, it's not personal. It's nothing for you personal. It's only kavaratayra. The We wanted to express the proper respect the person should have for Torah. But don't don't take it personally. Oh, then he felt, then he could do it, because it, since it's, as it's not a personal thing, he, it, it wouldn't bother him at all, as long as he realized there was an ulterior motive of Kavarat He came a little bit late, and he showed up at the house where he was supposed to stay. The family had prepared dinner for him. Let's say he was supposed to arrive at 6 o'clock, and he was supposed to get to the house about 7, so they had dinner for him, and at 8.30 there was a, to be a meeting with some of the uh, Givirim, some of the rich people of Los Angeles, who would come to, to talk to Rabbi Moshe, and he would raise, try to raise money for his yeshiva. When he came, it was a little bit late, and the people had already come. So it was his dinner time. He had missed his dinner, and the people are there. So they insisted that Rabbi Moshe eat his dinner while the people sat there. So he agreed. He sat there, they served his dinner, and some of the people turned to him and said to him, we know that you're a misnagid, but we are Hasidim. Now Hasidim have a custom of eating shirayim. They have a custom of taking food from the plate of the Rebbe, and somehow they feel this raises the food to a higher level, and they can eat some of that food and somehow attain some of the Kedusha is on the special level of their Rebbe. So they asked Rabbi Moshe if they would allow, be allowed to eat Shirayim. Rabbi Moshe said, excuse me, I have to think about it. He got up, he left the room, came back a few minutes later, and said to them that if they so wish, it's their choice and they can do it. He himself felt there's no purpose, there's no point to eating Shirayim, and he did not, you know, feel that he wants to give out Shirayim, but he said, a person's own wishes could be respected as a sign of respect, and therefore, if you'd like to, have your shirayim. Later on that night, when all the people had left, the Rebetzin, who was the in the kitchen, came out and asked, why did Rev Moshe ask for permission to give away his food? Apparently, Rev Moshe thought that the food put in his plate was put for his consumption. It doesn't necessarily mean that it was his food. And therefore, he was willing to accede to the people's requests. But what is he technically allowed to, was he allowed to give away the food that did not belong to him. So therefore, he asked the Rebetzin if indeed that was allowed in this case. The visit culminated in this big dinner that was held in a hotel in Los Angeles. 
And they invited, of course, the entire community, but one of the people that was invited was Rav Asher Zilberstein. At that time, Rav Asher Zilberstein was the oldest Rav in Los Angeles. He had been there many, many years. In fact, he was one of the pioneers in bringing Torah to Los Angeles. But And now at the end of his life, he was an old man. He lived in a community rather far from the new community of the, of Ju- of the Jewish center. And to be honest, he was not as well respected as he should have been at that time. When he came to the dinner, he walked in the door. Nobody really paid any attention. Nobody stood up for him except for Rav Moshe. Rav Moshe saw him. Rav Moshe was sitting at the dais. He saw Rav Moshe Zilberstein walk in. So Rav Moshe stood up. And of course, if Rav Moshe stood up, the entire community stood up. And then, he insisted that Rav Zilberstein be seated at the dais when Rav Moshe got up himself to speak. So, as is the derech of Kavod, as is the want people do to show respect, people stood up for a second, Rav Moshe got up to speak, and they sat down. Everybody sat, went back to sit, except for Rav Zilberstein. He stood and would not sit down until Rav Moshe pointed to him and said to him, Rav Moshe, you can sit. This little story shows the respect of Tamiri Chachamim for each other, and it shows a little bit lesson in how we should respect Torah and have a little bit of Kavadat Torah. I'd like to conclude with a word of Torah from Rav Moshe that really applies to this week's parsha, but so much applies to the life of Rav Moshe that I feel is worth repeating. In the beginning of the parasha, it says, Vayikra Moshe vayidaber Hashem ilav me'ol mo'ed le'mor. HaKadosh Baruch Hu called to Moshe, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu spoke to Moshe. So Rashi pointed out, the calling seems to have no meaning. HaKadosh Baruch Hu called and spoke. Just explain what he spoke. Why does it say he called? And Rashi says, L'chol dibur v'dibur kadma kriya Before he got up to speak, before he got up to give the shir, HaKadosh Baruch Hu called Moshe and said, Moshe, as if he said, Moshe, come, let's learn. And that feeling of sharing, of saying, Moshe, of calling you by name and letting you be involved in your learning is a Lashon Chiba. That shows a certain love that HaKadosh Baruch Hu demonstrated for Moshe at the time. Rashi continues, Yochel Sakos. Maybe even for Hafsakos, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Moshe, come, let's, let's recess now, let's have a break. So he says, no, the introduction that calling Moshe was only for the speech, but for the recess, for the hafsaka, there's no kriya lashon chiba. HaKadosh Baruch did not call him. And Rashi explains that there is a reason for the recesses. It's not just a waste of time. But nevertheless, the chiba, the love of HaKadosh Baruch was felt when the person could here the Shia from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When Moshe learned with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's Chiba, but not for the Hafsaka. So Rabbi Moshe said, and this is printed in another one of the Sfarim that I think was not written really by Rabbi Moshe, was written by his Talmudian, a Sefer of Drush of, of Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. I think two volumes at least have come out. There's another Sefer called Kol Ram that came out of Drush. It's a Sefer Drush Moshe, Darash Moshe, of, of Drush of Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. But in the Sefer here, Rav Moshe said that a Rosh Hashiva's world is divided into two parts. 
One part is when he says shir, when he learns, when he writes tshuvas. And the other part is when he is involved in all kinds of important things for the betterment of the yeshiva, for the betterment of the world, for the betterment of Torah. And these hafsakos, these recesses are extremely important. So you would think that HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed his love for you both in the time of learning and in the time of recess. No. Rashi points out, everything is important. The recesses are important, the learning is important, but the love of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is only felt when you have the opportunity to, to learn. I felt this was almost a cry from the heart of Reb Moshe. He was very much involved in raising money for his own yeshiva. He was very much involved in affairs that were important to American Jewry and to world Jewry. But he felt that his love, his, his feelings, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's feelings toward him were expressed in giving him an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to teach, an op- opportunity to write Shuvis. This is the godless of Amosha Feinstein. Everything else he did, and the stories, as I said in the book, of art scrolls and other stories that you can find all over are probably all true. But the greatness of Rabbi is expressed certainly in Igros Moshe. Those chuvos and his illustrious family are his legacy forever and ever. Igros Moshe will always be considered one of the main Sifrei Psak in the library of the Tamit Chacham.